Hello and welcome to another MLB pod here on the Binge Watchers Mafia. I'm your host once again, Frank Malafrante, with Alex Lamport once again. Hey, it was good. One, it was good once. Let's do it again. Binge Watchers baseball. We started like we three. We started like three for four with maybe a single and two doubles. I don't think we hit a home run in the uh, in the first podcast, the first day at the plate. But I think I think we could hit one today. Hey, chicks dig the long ball, but I've always loved doubles. Very underrated, just like this pod. <laughs> exactly. So it's the MLB trade deadline, and it's the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. The trade deadline is on the 1st, so we have two things to talk about this week. Uh, first, we're just going to run through a couple uh, trade deadline topics. We're going to talk about who are buyers, who are sellers. Then we're going to focus on the buyer's team needs. And we're, then we're going to try to pair some teams, try to see if we can get some trades. And uh, then we're going to talk about the Hall of Famers. Uh, and we also want to do a quick thing at the end. We're going to do some hypothetical dream trades, <laughs> some uh, some crazy outlandish things. Some things you so might not even see in your fantasy baseball league, but yeah, that like should really happen. happen. Of course, in my fantasy baseball league, I put Daniel Murphy up for sale last week. And the best offer I got back was Fernando Rodney. So, oh, that's an interesting league. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's really fair. <laughs> All right, so let's start with buyers and sellers. All Where right, want to go first. Yeah, I mean, I, I I take it what you wanted from this was just sort of the the teams that I think like really because there are a lot of quote unquote buyers, but we're talking about the teams that should really go for it, uh, dole out a little bit, uh, give up a little extra to put themselves in the best position. And the team I look at for that the most is the Cleveland Indians uh, because I see a team that, much like uh, my Mets from last year, have everything clicking in terms of their rotation. Uh, everything's going great. They have all the you know guys in place. And even if you think, hey, they're all young, they'll be going like it for a while, as we've seen with the 2016 Mets, uh, that can get a little finicky. So I think... As the 2016 Indians, they have to play like this is their window, this is their chance, um, and they should really uh, make a make a move, uh, especially considering they have a glaring hole behind the plate uh, that could be very conveniently filled by a certain uh, Milwaukee Brewer that I think we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, I think you know the the Cle- Cleveland is the perfect example of. Everything's going well. If they could just get a couple more pieces, maybe they win a World Series. That's kind of what trade deadline trades are all about. It's about can you add one or two little pieces to what's already working and try to you know push yourself over the top. And I think Cleveland is a good example of that. Uh, so let, let's talk about the AL Central. Do we think anyone else is buyers in the AL Central? Or if, and if you want to say, well, they are buyers, but they shouldn't be. Uh, I think, I think the White Sox still think they're buyers, which is kind of crazy, (laughs) uh, as evidenced by the James Shields trade a little bit earlier this year. Although maybe they've started to come to their senses a little bit because I think they're still right around, they've fallen back to around 500 at this point. And even if you do ride another hot streak in September or something to sneak into one of the wild card spots, 
I, th- I think that's one of the most interesting dimensions of how the buyers and sellers market has changed because there's that second wild card spot. And I think there's a widespread opinion of what that position is really worth. Yeah, I think it's in the last couple of years, the the concept of making the playoffs has definitely been changed. You know, making that wild card game is not good. Like, it doesn't matter if you make the wild card game. You have to win that game for anything to really matter. So if you make a trade and then lose the wild card game, then it's just like a complete catastrophe. And, and it's and it's backfired on a couple of teams very uh, loudly over the oh, past yeah. couple of years. I remember the the athletics in 2014, that uh, was most a, specifically. Just a complete catastrophe. It, 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 yeah, it was the year that Billy Bean finally decides to sell it all, to put push it all at the trade deadline. He trades away Cespedes for John Lester. Uh, he made another big trade at that time, but I can't remember what it was. Didn't matter because who? Maybe he traded for Jeff Samarja, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, but it he didn't matter because Samarja and Lester. He gave up Addison Russell and Cespedes. That's bad. That's really bad. And it's not like Jeff Samarja got to pitch in a meaningful game for the Athletics because they were out in the wild card game. And he sucked. Uh, that too. Uh, and now he's doing very well for their crosstown rivals, which is another salt in the wound. Yeah. But like, th- there are so many examples. Um, I think Pittsburgh Pirate fans uh, can give you a little taste of uh, what the wild card game really is. They've lost it at home the past two seasons. Uh, it it just doesn't mean that much. So if you're a team like the White Sox, that really their only hope is to sneak into a wild card spot. Why why push it that much? Uh, that that's my stance at least. But I think uh, Chicago's front office has made it clear they view it a little differently. Well, we recorded last. Uh, we we put up the pod on July twelfth, and since then they're two and eight, and hmm. they've fallen to fourth place. Uh, no one else is over five and five, but they've lost three games in the standings because they've been so shitty. Yeah. So yeah, it's a real bummer that they had to make a move like that. But uh, that's why I'm not a real big fan of jumping the market unless you're getting the absolute best guy. Sure. Uh, so let's just talk about the Red Sox since that's a good transition to Pomeranz. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now they're nine and one in their last ten, and they're first in first place now. So I guess they made a good trade since that's the way baseball. People talk about the game. That's what narrative says. Right, exactly. Uh, They've also made a deal for some reliever help, and then both of their other big relievers went on the DL. So clearly Dave Dabrowski is genius. (laughs) He can predict all of his team's successes. He's clairvoyant Dave. But uh, do the Red Sox need to make any more moves? Um, Oddly enough, I kind of think no. I, I just... Because their offense is so remarkable. The only thing they could do conceivably is trade for that certain Milwaukee Brewer that we're going to get to in a little bit uh, to fill up their catching position. But other than that, I mean, everything, every guy in their lineup is so good. They're, they're winning games like 11-2 to 2 every single night. Uh, so there's not really much to worry about in terms of the pitching staff. Like, what is it going to do based on who's on the market to upgrade, like, marginally with one position and give away, you know, one of your super stud prospects along the way? Uh, I think 
I think they should just sort of hold steady, personally. Yeah, it's just really, really nice that they have Stephen Wright. I mean, this is a totally different team without him. Found money. He really is. Yeah, really. Like, you know, talk about the winners getting richer. Uh, so, but, you know, the thing is, is they're only half a game ahead of the Orioles, and they're a game and a half ahead of the Blue Jays, who were 7-3 and three in their last 10. Mm-hmm. And they are both, I think, potentially going to look at starters. Um, I'm not sure if either team, like, really can make a big move for, like, a big-name guy, but maybe they'll try to get some help. Um, you know, kind of like those mid-tier guys that, I, that we're going to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think there's a move uh, from those teams. I mean, yes, but it's going to be, again, someone marginal, which, uh, honestly, an, an average starter would help Baltimore immensely. Uh, and, yeah. that's the, and that's the difference. I don't see what, you know, impact starter is left on the market at this point, uh, really. So, like, it doesn't really help Boston that much to get another average starter because they have average starters. They're loaded with average starters. Baltimore is loaded with below average starters. Uh, so an average starter for them would help immensely. And I guess the same for Toronto, um, because the, the, that fourth slot after Estrada, pretty much, from what I remember, their rotation just sort of nosedives in terms yeah. of irrelevance. So it, it, it helps those two teams a lot more than Boston uh, to pick up another arm, uh, a starting arm. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't see anyone who, unless they get incredibly hot along the way, makes a big impact. Um, I know you, you might be a Rich Hill believer, but, uh, after, after this blister injury he's had, like what, what you're getting 11 starts out of him, maybe the rest of the way. I, I just don't see how, how big of a help it can really be. Yeah, uh, I think the Blue Jays are kind of in an interesting position because their best player, their best pitcher, is not going to be starting in September because he's going to hit his innings limit and go to the bullpen. So they kind of have more need than it seems almost. It looks like they do. Yeah, it's an interesting rotation. But. you know, I think it's it's hard because they already have tried to go for it twice, and so they're a lot thinner in terms of uh, prospects. And I don't really know if they're going to move anybody on the major league roster, like a major league major league trade. They're not like overloaded on a position like that where they could like deal Michael Saunders. <laughs> they're not going to do that. So I, it's a uh, you know the AL East is kind of where a lot of these trades I feel like are going to happen, or at least from the AL East. Because the bottom two teams, like I've said on the last pod, the podcast, that the Yankees should be sellers. And I would sell anybody that, if anybody wants anybody, they should get them. Like, if somebody will give me something for Brett Gardner or Jacoby Ellsbury, who no one's talking about right now, I would do it. Go for it, yeah. Like, if Cleveland wants Jacoby Ellsbury, like, good, good luck. We'll, we'll <laughs> give you half his salary, get rid of him. You know we can't we can't deal with this, yeah, especially if they want Beltron, who's who's gone at the end of the year, um, and then they've got these two stud relievers that everybody wants, but nobody really wants to pay a lot for, and it's sort of like, you know, my whole philosophy about the trade deadline is that you never want to ask for too much. You just like if you want to make a trade, like 
make a trade, but like try to be reasonable about it. I feel like people, when you give too much or you ask for too much, either the trade doesn't happen or you get screwed. You just kind of want to make like trades that make sense and aren't like ridiculous for either side. Sure. Like, I don't know. So like an Andrew Miller for Javier Baez or, uh, um, Schwarber trade like yeah. doesn't really make sense to me for either side, but I think like a Miller for like or, or for a Chapman for like a second tier prospect, or like a even like a player to be named later if it's a good player that comes back is fine with me. Really? Because I don't care about the Yankees season; they don't need forty more innings out of Chapman, so they should get whatever they can. Now you don't think the way that the the value of relief pitchers has sort of grown over the years, almost warrants more of a price tag if you're going to trade them. Because I I sort of disagree with you where, I mean, maybe it's just from hearing it so many times, the Miller for Schwarber, Miller for Schwarber, Miller for right. Schwarber, that it's almost sunk into my head that, oh yeah, that makes sense. I've almost been brainwashed into it as opposed <laughs> to actually thinking it makes sense. But But you think that's just way too much of a price tag for the Cubs? I think it's, yeah, I don't think it's worth it. But, you know, it's the, the only if the only reason we're even talking about this is because Schwarber's injured and he doesn't have a natural position. Yeah, the, there's nowhere for him to play on the Cubs. So in a weird yeah. way, he almost has no value to them. Because they have to, they, like Joe Madden, he's very smart. He can figure this sort of thing out. But right. he, he has to do mental gymnastics every day next season, figuring out how to get him into the lineup. Yeah, so then it just it just seems like that's not enough for him. But you know, smarter people than me will figure out how to make it work. Maybe the Yankees have to have to throw in something else. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's it, but to me, if Schwarber is a really good player, if Schwarber's like a you know a twenty win player over his career, then he's way better than Miller's ever going to be in the next right. three years. Right. So, but if he's and if he's terrible, it's like doesn't really hurt the Yankees that much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's Andrew Miller. Like I know he's the best reliever, but you just you know the, the the number of reliever innings that have been pitched has been going up over the last ten or fifteen years. Every five year block, it goes up like two or three percent. We're at like almost a third of all innings pitched are from relievers now. Mm-hmm. But that's not like each individual reliever isn't pitching more innings. There's just more relievers pitching more innings than before. Right. So Miller is still pitching 50 innings a year. And, yeah, it's, like, great to get 50 innings of scoreless ball. I just think that, you know, it's. I think it's a – I always say it's a, it's a younger league now, and so, like, defense – teams have a lot better defenses than they used to. You know, so Miller, like, being a strikeout machine, like, you know, it's – the Cubs have a good defense, and it would kind of be a waste if they have... Well, not when Schwarber's on the field, but... Yeah, well, if Schwarber's in the field, they have a worse defense, but, you know, a lot of their guys are good defenders, and most of them are average defenders, so if they're just sitting on their hands while Miller strikes out the side, you know, maybe they could get someone cheaper that will hit the ball to Jason Hayward. Sure. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it doesn't... That's kind of how it works in a laboratory, and if they want to win the World Series, you could say, well, just get the best possible player... I don't know. They, do you, do, I, I think this sort of transition. Yankees would definitely do the deal, right? If they could get. Schwarber. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's just the Cubs saying no. 
pretty much it would be it would be up to them, I think. Um, yeah. But I, I guess I guess that transitions. We're, we're sort we sort of wanted to talk about teams that we think should absolutely be buy 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 buy. Are the Cubs one of those teams to you? Oh yeah. Yeah, the okay. Cubs should add relievers. They already added one reliever. Mike Montgomery, right? Yeah, who I've never heard of, but that's He's having fine. a good season. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they you know, they're catching a guy before I start hearing about him. And, and maybe that was their de facto Andrew Miller. Maybe they made that trade already and are yeah. like, nah, we're good. Maybe yeah. maybe that's what that was. Uh, and maybe they need him they need Andrew Miller less now, so they can yeah. say to the Yankees, Well, you know, maybe you don't need to take Schwarber from us. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> Maybe not. Take the gun off our heads. You know, yeah. if Schwarber comes back next year and plays well, they can trade him next year and get somebody way better. For sure. You or, know I mean? you know, So they, it doesn't seem like it's worth it. That's just my thing. They have such so. a weird positional flexibility that, like, they have no I, – I, I almost think they don't – yeah, they should buy. They should put themselves in the best position to try and win the World Series this year. But what can they really do? that would boost their odds to win the World Series so much at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's just bullpen. Yeah. Really. And, and unless you think that impact arm, I assume Miller would automatically step in and be their closer if he was yeah. traded to them. Uh, so, yeah, that's great. And every other reliever they have sort of moves down the assembly line. But, I mean, that maybe def- like guarantees you one extra game in the playoffs, like who's who's to really evaluate how much that actually helps? Sure, yeah, sure. I, you know, in the playoffs, the relievers are going to matter more than the, in the regular season. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you usually you expect the games to be closer, lower scoring. You know, there's a lot of lead changes in the late innings. Uh, so I think the Cubs are going to want. I, I think Chapman's the guy who's in play for both them and the other one of the other teams that should be buying, which is the Nationals. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice that the Yankees can play those teams off each other, um, but they could both use a guy at the end of the of the at the end of the bullpen, and Chapman's going to be cheaper. Yeah, and um, then both teams could just re-sign Chapman because they're both rich, so they could just give him twenty million dollars sure for two years or whatever. They sure could. Yeah, so um, it seems to make sense. You know, I've, Dusty Baker likes his veterans, and he used to play with uh, Rolf Chapman for a while, and never pitched him more than one inning at a time right. since it's Dusty Baker. Right. So maybe he's, he'd be happy to get him back. So you mentioned a couple teams that I think should really, or that you think should really be buyers in the National League. Mm-hmm. One that hasn't come up is the Dodgers, and I will say before uh, Clayton Kershaw was back. Um, suddenly became a big, big fat question mark. I was in the, I, I had the idea that they needed to go get another outfielder. Yeah. Um, very much so. And they, because when, when I'm thinking about this, I sort of look for the teams that are very good, that have the biggest holes, uh, mm-hmm. and can go and get somebody, which, you know, the Dodgers, I think they literally have every asset on the planet, uh, right. to go make a trade. They're only four games out of the division all of a sudden. I thought it was a lot more um, very recently. Uh, they can easily overtake San Francisco um, in a scenario where winning the division would be very helpful. Uh, the, if, if Kershaw was still firing on all cylinders, I would say go for it. But I wonder how much this injury and the question mark associated with it uh, 
prevents them from doing that? It'll be interesting because if a trade happens before Kershaw comes off the DL, then that tells us that he probably won't have the surgery mm -hmm. and vice versa because the, the deadline is only nine days away. Right. Uh, so, you know, Kershaw is not going to be back before then. No. But if, they, if they're thinking that Kershaw is going to try to pitch in September, then they'll make a trade. But if they think he, they might not announce that he's going to have season-ending surgery until August twelfth. You know, I'm just making up a random day in August, and then you know, then they'll just finally decide that they can't do it anymore. But if they make a trade, I think we can expect him to come back. Yeah. And, and the Dodgers have top-tier prospects, and there's a lot of outfielders available. Definitely, um, you know, I, I want to talk about some trades, some crazy possible trades yeah. for some stars. Um, and I think the Rockies fit that bill. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Although, in that scenario, I doubt they'd want to trade to their division rival. But crazier things have happened. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think the Rock, the Rock If the Rockies think they're competing in the next five years, then they're crazy. Hmm. They should be stripped down right now. Hmm. I know they have Nolan. They have some good players, but I don't know. Maybe they can... No, they're they definitely... There are many pieces short. If they can just get younger, even, and like maybe they can compete in three years when no one's in his prime, um, that's one thing. Right. But I don't know. It, the Rockies, it just sucks to be a Colorado Rocky fan and to pitch in Denver. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Quick aside, should they just move that franchise? I don't think so. I've been to, no. I've been to Coors Field before. I have or had some family uh, in Denver. They've moved since. But it's a very nice place to go watch a ballpark, uh, a game. Why did I say a ballpark? But at any rate, uh, very nice place to go watch a game. Uh, it's, it's such an interesting environment to go play in because of the altitude and the humidor and the way the baseball flies. I always look forward to when the Mets have uh, their trip to Colorado on the schedule because there are always such weird games that come out of it. Um, and it's always all, almost a, like a brief hearkening back to, you know, the steroid era that I loved so much because it's what I grew up watching. Uh, so, no, I, I don't want them to move the Rockies. I just want the Rockies to get better. All right. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so there's, you know, there's a, the, we could say, like, are the Mets still buyers? They're six back. Uh, they think they are, but I I don't think they should be. Uh, but I mean, there's also not they're not buyers, but they're not really sellers either. Because what, what what are they gonna what are they gonna offload at this point? Like I th I think they're a team that sits squarely in the middle of all of this. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's definitely a challenge to figure out who they're trading and where they're. Where they need help, which is kind of everywhere. Yeah. Now, yeah, it's kind of like a leaky ship at this oh, point, man. Uh, so you know, and I think the Marlins are better than they are. I agree. At this point. I agree. Uh, I know. You know. Again, it's like oh, baseball narrative. They're eight and two in their last ten, but I think the Marlins are going to be buyers. Um, they could use another starter. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, do. You it's weird when D Gordon gets off of his suspension. That's almost like a deadline acquisition, right? In a yeah. weird way, so they don't have to worry about that. I was going to say they could use an infielder, but they don't really. 
maybe yeah, they're ma- fifty-two and forty-three without their best one of their best players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, sure. Trade for a starter, whatever. Go ahead, Miami. Have yeah. fun. Have fun losing your wild card game to Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> uh, the that's let's just talk about that for a second. Yeah, if Clayton Kershaw is on the DL for the, if he has season-ending back surgery. Doesn't that change the whole market? Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a very fascinating notion. Um, I've never Dodgers, heard of anything like this. The Dodgers might trade Yasiel Puig anyway, but if Kershaw gets his surgery, they're I I would almost guarantee they're going to do it. Jeez, um, that's crazy. Yeah, think it about is. How many more teams will think about possibly being able to make the playoffs? If Kershaw isn't playing, the the Cardinals, the Pirates, and the Mets all suddenly have a little bit of life. Yeah. If uh, Kershaw punts on the rest of the season. Yeah, instead of just Kershaw just shutting the door in their faces. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because, I mean, maybe the Cardinals or Mets catch up with Miami. Uh, actually, the Mets are playing Miami this weekend, and it's a very crucial series either way. Uh, but if if L.A. is sort of out of the picture because you, you figure they're not – they're not going to hold on to their spot if Kershaw is not in the rotation. Uh, so, yeah, it gives a lot of teams new life. And, it, you know, if the Dodgers do decide to sell and we can see this, see that writing on the wall, then I think the Mets should buy it. Yeah. I think it makes you, makes you much more confident in winning that game. Right. If you've got Noah Syndergaard on the mound. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, even, even if the Dodgers do hold on to that spot – you feel great in that game, or oh, yeah. or you face a team like Miami in the wild card game, and no no disrespect, I'm not scared of the Marlins. I'm scared of. Um, uh, all right, I, I think it's nice to have an ace in a one game series, but that's about it. Yeah, and both teams would have aces. Jose Jose Fernandez is is great, but I don't know. There's just something about them. I I can't take them seriously. It's probably the jerseys and the ownership and the stupid statue in center field. It's definitely and the stupid statue in center field. It's 100% okay, yeah. stupid like statue things, in center field. I'll just stop there. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like the 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 Mets apple if you decorated it in glitter. It's, it's just complete. <laughs> it's, it's totally disgusting. Uh, it really is. And, uh, and I, I don't want to think about it at all. Um. Should we okay, talk about so, sellers? Um, I'm going to change the, the format on the fly here because I think right. this is a better idea. So instead of talking about each team, team needs, and going through each team, I want to do teams that need pitching and do the pitching market, and then teams that need hitting and the hitting market. Okay. You think that's better? Sure. Why not? Okay. So teams that need pitching. Boston, Orioles, Blue Jays. Rangers, Astros. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams need pitching all of a sudden. Yeah. The, basically, the American League needs pitching. Yeah. I don't I mean, you know. And I maybe Miami, too. Have a starter, yeah. I think. Pittsburgh, I even know. though I don't think they should buy. But, yeah. I mean, the, those, those are the teams we're thinking of there. Okay. And there's, you know, Buster only, I don't know, just because I listen to Buster only every day, I always, like, need to. And no one ever challenges him. So we're going to challenge him a bit on this podcast. Okay. The starting pitching market is not as shallow as he is saying it is. 
there is a brief list of players that are going to be available on the pitching deadline, on the, the deadline, and there's a lot more than this. Chris Archer, Matt Moore, Jake Odorizzi, Drew Smiley, Rich Hill, Jeremy Hellickson, Anthony DiScofani, maybe Julio Tehran, Matt Shoemaker, um, Urban Santana. Uh, there's got to be others. So, but that's like a brief list, okay? So that's like six different teams. There's re- that, that means it's a shallow starting pitching market, and that's mm. what Drew Pomeran's already off the board. Yeah. Yeah. I think... It's it's tough to say whether Tampa actually does something. I think they will, but th- there's part of me that wonders, you know, if they just sort of feel, oh, we got this great rotation, why not? Why not just hold on to it and s- stuff could change on a dime? Um, obviously, everything's gone wrong for them this year, and they've kind of been bad for a while. But I've, I don't know. I have a very soft spot for Tampa. For I know you do. Whatever reason. Um, so, go ahead. Chris Archer, if, if he's available, probably the best one left. Um, yeah. I think... I'm, I'm just trying to determine, what, for, for a top-tier talent like that, um, which spot makes the most sense uh, for him to go. And uh, I kind of think it's Texas. Yeah, it's uh, it's Texas for Joey Gallo. It's um, you know, maybe the Dodgers, maybe Profar, maybe Profar yeah, gets in that mix in the Rangers too. trade. Yeah, for um, sure. I'd rather have Profar. Oh, for sure. Uh, it could be it could be the Dodgers, um, either to add to Kershaw or replace Kershaw. Um, m- maybe some fannies would actually get in Tropicana Field seats if Yasiel Puig was on the team. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and no, Miami wouldn't buy like that. So yeah, I think it's between Texas and LA for someone like Chris Archer or frankly, any one of those Rays starters. It's just such a great contract. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He has a better contract than Matt Moore. Which so, I think, which I think is the problem when you are trying to trade for him. Right. Um, and so, something I've sort of read up, uh, on a lot is that a lot of the reason trade markets have become so depressed is that a lot of these stars on bad small market teams who in theory would be on the move are coveting higher price tags in a trade because they've signed these early extensions and their contracts are so good. Right. Like that, that that's happened in a lot of cases uh, that, I can't name off the top of my head for whatever reason, but uh, the Archer example is a terrific one. In a weird way, Evan Longoria is too, uh, although I don't think he's on the block as much as the Rays pitchers are. Um, but but yeah, I, 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 it might almost take Profar and Gallo to get someone like Chris Archer because his contract is so good. If that was it, I wouldn't do it if I was Texas uh, because that's, uh, that's just too much potential stardom. Uh, to replace an aging infield that you may not notice how old it's getting, uh, right? But but I think for what if it's one of those guys and whatever other pieces Texas should pull the trigger because I think they stand the most to gain from getting another great starting pitcher. Chris Archer has only made one point six million dollars so far in his career, 
and he is guaranteed uh, like $21 million. And then he has two club options for $9 million and then $11 million in his age 32 season. So he's under team control for six years for a total of $42 million-ish. Uh, that's pretty good. Compare that to uh, Matt Moore, who is also has three team options. Or sorry, I think it's three player options actually, and it's for twenty six million. But mm. uh, so you, you can decide. They're both the same age. You can decide who you think is better. Um, I you know you you would say because of how good Archer was last year that it's Archer, but I don't know if he's like figured it out yet. Do you think? Do you think he and Sonny Gray or one of the two are going to turn it around? Uh, I think Archer will. Um, I, I just think I, I think Sonny Gray might too, but I have a little more confidence in Archer. I just, I just I just think it's hard to. I think it wears on a pitcher when he knows that he has to go out there and basically uh, give up two or less runs every time out to have a chance to win. And both both Tampa's offense and Oakland's offense are pretty putrid, yeah. and and it, and it's just tough to pitch for those. I I, I felt that a lot with uh, I I feel that a lot with the Mets now when uh, these guys Degrom, Syndergaard, Mats go out there. They know they really have to pitch a games to have a chance at winning, and they press. Uh, and I mean, not 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 to do armchair psychology on these guys, but that's going to produce worse numbers. Uh, for a pitcher, uh, especially like this, being a starter is all about your confidence, um, and if they don't have that, they're going to perform worse. I believe these guys are young enough that if you put them in a better environment, they could easily uh, bounce back and be really good pitchers. So, um, if you had to, so if you had to guess, you would say the Rays would trade who? Or who is there? Who do they want to trade the most? Or what deal gets done? Whatever you think is the I th- best I think question. The, I think the one they, the guy they want to trade the most is probably Matt Moore, because you could sort of see them thinking. I mean, he's never been as good as he has been this year, right? Yeah. So you you could they they could try and really sell high on that guy, who frankly I don't think just because of one season, you can say is nearly as good as some of the other guys in the rotation. Um, I like Odorizzi more than I do uh, Matt Moore, even though the numbers just haven't fleshed it out uh, this year for whatever reason. I just think Odorizzi has better stuff, strikes more people out, yada, yada, yada. Um, but the, the one who I think is most realistic is probably, I think it's Archer, because the he he, ha, he has a track he has a brand name um, and whatever team would bring him in like beyond just adding the impact at the deadline there's a marketability to him that if he has this great contract you can keep him around for a while make him one of the centerpieces of your team both on and off the field uh, I think I think he's the easiest one to sell yeah and he's almost easier to sell because a lot of teams would be willing to give more for him. Like I would trade Kyle Schwarber for Chris Archer. Sure. You know what I mean? I would trade. I don't think the Cubs need Chris Archer. For Chris Archer. Right. You know what I mean? Right. 
or like basically like any basically you know jury maybe I would definitely trade Joey Gallo. I would even probably trade Profar for him because because he, he's he's going to be on your team for five more years. Yep. That's like as long as these guys, these young guys, are going to be on your team for, and mm-hmm. you're going to have him in your in their prime, as opposed to maybe Joey Gallo will never have a prime. Yeah. So you, you, I don't know. You it have to you have to give up more, but there's definitely a team that's willing to go and do that. Uh, Which is why I don't really understand the uh, the Pomerantz trade, because I think you could have gotten Chris Archer for that that guy. Yeah, Anderson Espinosa. Yeah, maybe not. I, I don't know. I think I think they might have needed to give up more for Archer, mm, a lot more, to be honest. I mean, I know I mean, he's Espin- like the number fourteen. I know, I know, he's highly rated, but you know, he's still in high A at this point. Yeah. Uh, he has a long way to go, um, and uh, San Diego, you know, they're fine of Liebman in him. They've gotten a lot of interesting Boston prospects lately. Uh, Manny Margot, watch out for him, uh, hmm. but. No, I, I I mean, I'm not sure Boston should have jumped the gun on the trade, but I do think it's a fair one, um, especially considering where they are and where San Diego were in the standings. It's, it's almost harder to find out who the prospects are going to be than who the trade targets are going to be. Because I don't know who the Houston Astros are going to give up to get Jake Odorizzi or to get Jeremy Hellickson because right. I guarantee you somebody is going to trade for that guy and they should not. I, think what I don't makes, care what it is. I think what makes the most sense for the Astros is to, instead of instead of trading one of their top, top prospects uh, for a higher-end starter on the market, why not go and take, like... Hellickson or Shoemaker, another one of these mid-tier guys, and give up something like Luis Valbuena, who's a logjam for uh, this Alex Bregman kid uh, who needs to come up and start contributing uh, right now. Uh, I I think that makes a lot more sense for them than going for the top-tier guy, personally. Yeah. It's almost... The the only problem is that it's harder to trade... You know, when you're trading for a, a veteran, you usually don't trade veteran for veteran. Well, well Valbuena and but, a, and a lesser tier prospect. Right. Yeah, I think that would it, it has to be something where they can see themselves having this guy on their roster in three years. Yeah. Even if it makes the team better nowadays, which like there's a lot of teams that the team needs to be good, even if they're bad. Like the team can't be terrible. Like the like the Brewers come to mind. Mm-hmm. Like people still go to the Brewers even if they're not that good. But yeah. if they were terrible, it would just ruin the franchise. For sure. Because they, the, they need the gate, basically. They yeah. need to have revenue from people coming to the stadium. Uh, uh, they still need to sell, though, because they they're starting to rebuild that farm system pretty well. Um, the, a, a couple of great prospects, um, Orlando Arcia, he's on the precipice, um, ready to come up. If they can get a few more good pieces, they have the next great core, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Just, uh, I mean, we'll get to hitters in a bit, um, and then we'll bring up the Brewers, but but they don't really have a pitcher that they can sell at this point. So, uh, I guess in terms of anyone else who should be looking for one, 
I, I guess it would. I guess you have to look at Miami trying to get another sort of again that mid tier starter. I saw a rumor that they were trying to trade a Danny Echeverria for whatever reason. Um, uh-huh. I'm not uh-huh. sure what it is, but maybe he can bring back something mediocre uh, that would be an upgrade for them because Tom Kohler is not. That's not what you want. Right. Uh, that's not the plan. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Tom Kohler is going to be on this team forever. Yeah. Marlin for life, Tom Kohler. <laughs> yeah, retired as lover. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, other any other pitching things you want to talk about? Not really, to be totally okay. honest. Yeah, I'm, d- I'm done. Um, and then so it's, it's just kind of weird because, you know, now we're going to talk about hitting. And all of the hitting needs are in the National League, as well as most of the guys that are available. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's entirely true. I, all right. Well, we, we, do you we, think – okay, so then let's start. Because you're saying the White Sox are going to be buyers, so they're not going to be trading uh, Ty Frazier or um, anything like that. So, like, who, who's a hitting prospect – who's a hitting guy in the American League that could get traded? I'm not entirely sure. Um, I, I bet – I bet you at this point, I didn't realize Chicago had fallen that far beneath 500. Um, they might trade Frazier, who's uh, he's on the last year of a contract, right? He, yeah, yeah, he signed through 2016. Okay, so yeah, he yeah, would, he he's would be arbitration eligible next year. He would be a pretty good rental then for whatever team needs needs a bopper. Uh, yeah, but I think I think the hitter market starts and then. Fu- all the all the other dominoes fall with uh, Johnny Lucroy, um, who, frankly, you say all the National League teams need the hitting help. I think he's going to an American League team. Um, okay. I, I think I Texas. think I think Cleveland makes too much sense. The the their biggest hole is catching, um, either to bad play or <laughs> if you heard about Jan Gomes' uh, sacrifice to. Chitulu or whatever the fuck it was, uh, and then he he wound up injured for four to six weeks, uh, something like that. Um, they need they need catching help so badly. Uh, Luke Roy is a great hitter, uh, a great framer, if I remember correctly. Uh, one of the best catchers in the game. Uh, Cleveland should should go. It's the perfect time for Cleveland to go, as I mentioned off the top of the show. Uh, they should definitely get Luke Roy. Uh, I, there's there's no other team that it seems is there's no other trade match that seems as hand in glove a fit to me. All right, I'll throw a couple cold water things on that. Okay. First of all, I don't like the Brewers front office. They could have traded Luke Roy last year and they didn't. And they well, he was having a terrible year last year. Well, so yeah, like is he having a great year this year? He's having a lot better of a season. Uh, I will. An all-star, I guess. Yeah. Sitting, sitting 300. Yeah, I guess he's having a good year. But, you know, I think he's basically having like a normal Jonathan Lucroy season. It's a and lot better. He ended be- up hitting 264 by the end of the year. It's a lot better than he was 326, having. 326, 391. His, uh, his WRC Plus was under 100 last year. He had a below average season at the plate, which he has not had for the in the major leagues uh, since 2010. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's been a great the, hitter. The uh, Brewers' asking price for him is very high. 
from mm-hmm. what I've heard. Have you heard that as well? I have, I, I don't really know, to be okay. totally Okay, I've heard they want a lot for him. He's he's only owed $5.25 million on his, as a team option for next year. They're paying him $4 million this year, so you, you're going to end up paying him like $7 million for an all-star catcher. Uh, they want a lot. I'm not sure if anyone's going to give it to him, but maybe they will for two years. My, the other thing is trading for a catcher, as we all know, is a hard thing to do mm-hmm. mid-season because of the fact that you have to catch the ball from the pitchers. And they've been working with the same catchers since spring training, and you have to bring in a new guy on the fly. And there's a lot of, like, you know, unconscious or just, like, teamwork things that go on between the battery. So it might be – it's sort of like – not every team may want to trade for a catcher in I, the middle of the year. They I might am, say, well, we'll just take the, the zero or whatever we're getting a catcher. It's it's not worth it to screw up our pitching staff. I'm not sure if the Indians would say this. It's not worth it to, you know, to mess up what we have going with our pitchers to bring in Lucroy and potentially like have whatever. Maybe Danny Salazar doesn't like throwing to Jonathan Lucroy. I don't know. There's no way to know that. I mean, they're throwing to a new guy anyway because of the Gomes injury. Uh, well, the guy. Well, I, I guess he's I been guess around. He's been. been I, I understand since spring training. Yeah, he's been around. So it's been a while. But I, I, I just think the value that Lucroy brings in other ways will more than offset any the uh, bad juju that comes from pitching to a new catcher. These guys are professionals. You know, it's not. It's it's not that hard to figure out uh, who's, you know, to, to build a comfort level between. Uh, certain guys, and it's not like catchers call games anymore. Anyway, that's all coming from behind the uh, the, the dugout. Well, you know, not every pitch. Some of the pitches, many pitches. Yeah, uh, I think you're. I think you're right. I think it could happen. Uh, do you think uh, my my kind of? I think that the Brewers are going to wait for like a great offer. I don't know if they're going to get it. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Maybe they but won't. But I think that San Diego is going to trade Derek Norris. Hmm. And I think Derek Norris is good. He's not as good a hitter as Luke Roy, but he's a better fielder. And he's a he's an above average, you know, he's above average framer, blocker, throws out runners well. You know, there's not a lot of people that play catcher the way he does. You know, he's not, again, he's not an amazing player. But if you're looking for, like, a good piece who's an above-average guy, who I think is not going to be terribly expensive, he's the other option. So there's at least two teams that need catcher help, so maybe one gets each. But I think Norris, I think the, the, that San Diego is ready to sell. Yeah. So yeah, that's I where I think, well, that's where I am on that. They've, are, they've um, already shown evidence of it earlier this season. Exactly. Um, I think it's, at, for, I, I should point out, Good for good on San Diego for making these before the deadline. Right. Um, I think I, I almost feel like they they have more leverage uh, when they're clearly trying to offload these guys uh, when they're doing it. They're jumping the gun. It's good for them to jump the gun as as opposed to the buyers in those exactly. transactions. So I good totally on them for doing that. Yeah, I think they definitely sold at the right time. Yeah. Um, and how far does it go for their hitter market? Does does Matt Kemp have any value? Uh, would they go as far as to give up Will Myers, even though he's their all star now and he's pretty much their best player? Uh, like like how far does it go with them? I think 
that they're would you say that they're willing to eat any salary on that camp? I think so. I, I mean, why wouldn't they be? Because they're the Padres and they have no money. <laughs> so fuck, they're just going to be like, fuck it, we'll just keep them. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't seem like like a small smart market small market teams don't usually do that. Right. But they could do it. I'm not saying they won't. But it's it's less likely than if he was, if Matt Kemp was playing for the 2003 Yankees. Sure. sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. He already would have been traded by now. Yeah. If, if, Hal, if George Steinbrenner was still running this team, he would have been like, wait, who traded for that guy? Oh, wait, <laughs> I said to do it? Okay, get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this guy. Terrible. Is, is that your Larry David of George Steinbrenner impression? Yeah, that's as good as I can do that's for good. him on the fly. That's good. I hope you enjoyed that, listener. It was lovely. Okay, um, uh, outfield. Who needs outfielders? Um, Los Angeles Niners. needs an outfielder. Yep. Pretty badly. Indians could use an outfielder. Cleveland could use an outfielder. Um, and I don't. I think everyone else who's a contender is pretty good. And yeah, I mean, I would say Washington needs a center fielder, but they don't think they need a center fielder. <laughs> That's true. So, so let let's not talk about that. Yeah, uh, let's let's just move on from there. The Mets are good with their outfield. They have outfielders. I just don't know. <laughs> None of them are any good, but yes, know, they have outfielders. Uh, they've been talking about putting Conforto in center field because Cespedes is too hurt to play center. That's sad. It's it's so sad. Was Nimino good? Nimmo, Brandon Nimmo. Nimmo? Uh, I wasn't. Said? I wasn't impressed. No, uh, to be totally honest. He's really, really, really good on my out of the park baseball simulation. Oh, that's good. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really happy for fake Brandon Nimmo. He's got some really good on base skills. Great. My fake, my fake great. league. It's really great. So thanks for that. Yeah, they, 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 uh, they haven't, they didn't give him enough time. In all seriousness, to yeah. really, to really showcase uh, what he can do. But I, I mean, I'm just not impressed by any Mets position player at this point. But let's not. The Mets just don't care about center field. It's yeah. clear. Yeah. You know what I mean? George Bush doesn't care about black people. Mets do not care about center field <laughs> at all. They're, just, they're willing to play anybody. They would play it's David true. Ortiz in center field. Oh, my God. I, that I'm would gonna, be the greatest thing ever. I'm going to do that in a version of the show soon <laughs> just to just to prove everyone. That would be the greatest thing. Send that send that clip to Sandy Alderson. Absolutely. Yeah, they just, could probably trade for him. Yeah. <laughs> Jose Reyes, center field. Do oh, it. God. Do it right now. Make All right, dreams come true. Jay Bruce, where is he going? Fuck, I don't know. I don't care about Jay Bruce. He's been he's been on the trade mar- trade block for like three years. I know he's been in trade. He's, he's basically in Reds purgatory. I never want to hear his name again. Yeah, ever. Yeah. I had him one year in fantasy, and there are certain people that that fuck me in fantasy, and then they're just dead to me forever. Jay Bruce. But I just hate. I'm tired of talking about Jay Bruce. He's a good player. Somebody trade for him. So yeah, so, somebody, please, up. so we can stop talking about I'm gonna him. Say, I'm going to say the Indians. I think that makes sense, too. I think that I think it's going to be a, an Ohio trade. Get it done. Don't ask for too much Reds. It's been three years. Just do it. Yeah. Whatever you get, just do it. I don't I care. Okay? Please. Please stop the madness. It's, it's really... It's tough. And it's so weird because a couple other... Like they were, they were so quick. Once it was time to trade Johnny Cueto, they were ready to go. They stepped right into action. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, they've just held held out the string with Jay fucking Bruce. It's just, I just feel like 
they always want to hold out for too much. And it's like, you, if the buyer doesn't buy, right, then maybe they don't win, but they don't, but it's like the seller still has Jay Bruce yeah. the next year. So I just, you should just do it. Just whatever the best offer is on the last day, just do it. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a, maybe there's somebody in Major League Baseball is going to call me up and be like, Frank, here's why that's a stupid strategy. <laughs> and you should just shut up. But until that happens, I'm going to keep saying it. Does All anyone, right? does anyone uh, snag Carlos Gonzalez? That would be, that would be really cool. But I don't know. Only the Dodgers can do it, I that, feel like. Yeah, that would be a big help for somebody. He's having a great year. Yeah, but it, it just seems like too much for Cleveland to do. Uh, and in yeah. terms of another team that would need an outfielder, I, I guess, yeah, the Dodgers are the only ones who make sense. Uh, I, I really think the Dodgers want to get rid of Puig. Um, it, yeah. I, I think he's dri- he's already driven Dave Roberts completely crazy. Yeah. Uh, so m- maybe, I mean, I know he's sort of a veteran, but he's only like 25. Um, he should be an interesting trade chip for uh, whatever team wants him if that involves the Dodgers selling because of Kershaw's injury or they go the other way and try and buy someone like, uh, buy an upgrade like Carlos Gonzalez. Um, I think, I just think it makes too much sense to move Yasiel Puig. Yeah. Hey, you know who the Mets should definitely trade for? Charlie Black. That would be nice. I like Charlie Blackman a lot. As do I. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think the Mets are going to do it because it's starting to get to the point where if they make any more buys, the cupboard gets pretty bare. Yeah. Um, and it's not good. No, my hope is that they just sort of uh, punt on the season. Um, not that it's, Matt Harvey was doing anything so great uh, before, before he was uh, out for the year. Yeah. But they, they don't have a fifth starter now. Logan Verrett's not cutting it, so they need to get one of those. They need to get some more middle relief. They need a, they need a center fielder. There, there are too many needs to go out and be a valid team. Um, if, if Cespedes, the, the, the big blow for me is if Cespedes cannot play center field the rest of the season uh, and they have to throw out, either throw out Juan Lagares out there every day or get a, get a valid center fielder, uh, I, I don't see I don't see the reason in going and getting so by happy to make this wild card berth a reality. Yeah, uh, you know, there's not a lot of contenders that need center fielders, which kind of makes sense because you should probably have one if you're a good team already. Washington. Yeah, I know, but that should just be Trey Turner. Yep, we've already said it. Yep. yep. Trey Turner should just play three positions. He could do it. It's true. I swear to God, it's true. He could. But, uh, uh, yeah, but, but always no, like they, Charlie Blackman, very underrated. It doesn't cost you a whole lot in fantasy or in real life. And uh, good guy, good all around, good beard. Steal bases, beard. no one does that anymore. Yeah, he's, he's a great player. Um, all right. A, a great Blackman. leadoff hitter, too, and we could get Jose Reyes out of that fucking spot. That's true, uh, yeah. But, no, you've, you've, uh, you've gotten my hopes up too much. That's not happening. Sorry. <laughs> hey, all right, so real quick, though. Because honestly, I would I know Cespedes, you know, because he was so good. But I would have rather had Charlie Black. Maybe they just didn't want to trade him, the Rockies. 
That's that's fine, but the Mets do not go where they went last year if without with, No, yeah. if they make the Charlie Blackman trade, or thank God they didn't make the Carlos Gomez trade. Yeah, well, right. That's good. That was a good. That was a good idea. <laughs> that was. I don't know. I yeah. thought Conforto was going to be better than this. I just don't. I don't understand what's wrong with him. Uh, he, was, he he got in a slump, and instead of sticking with him, uh, the Mets pressed, sent him down which ruins a player's psyche. I hate that. Like, if, if you're going to have your guy stick with him, like, you got you to gotta develop trust with your young players, and now Conforto just looks lost because his confidence is totally gone. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think they bungled that. Um, I've, I've not been impressed with the way Mets management has handled this season. Um they, they should have, instead of doing this stupid Jose Reyes nonsense, uh, they should have traded for someone else who I think might go somewhere, um, a, a, you know, the pride of uh, Jewish baseball fans everywhere, Danny Valencia. Uh, it, it, that would have made perfect sense for the Mets. Uh, they chose not to do it. So I wonder, I wonder if he's headed somewhere, um, maybe... Maybe the Mets in division rivals who really need a first baseman to hit against lefties, uh, Miami. Well, uh, anything else you want to talk about for hitters? Uh, no, just, just, uh, I, I mean, I, I wonder if Danny Valencia is, I, I think he's the one infielder who could make an impact somewhere if Oakland decides to offload him. Okay. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I haven't, you know, it's, it's weird, but this isn't really a year where anyone's looking for infielders. Which is weird. It's strange. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Usually you need infield help, but almost everybody needs outfield this year, mm-hmm. if they need hitting at all. Mm-hmm. But most of the good teams have good offenses. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's not like, there's no, like, Mets, you know, there's no Mets team. It's really just the Indians that might need a bat, but I don't know, maybe they don't even need one. Uh, I think they should probably get one. Why not? Yeah, and you think it should be catcher? It could be catcher or outfield. It could be both. Yeah, they don't really need a spot in the infield, do they? Uh, Santana. Yeah, Santana's been pretty damn good. So. Yeah, I like I like Carlos Santana. Always have. Yeah. Takes walks. I like guys that take walks. Yeah. None of this. Two, I I don't like this two eighty three twenty on base percentage guys. None of them. I want your two thirty three sixty guys. Yeah, no, those I, are the I, real guys. Th- those are those are some ball players right there. That's some they money. Are. That's some money ball, Frank. That's, that's right. That's what I'm talking about. That's how we do it. Yeah. So, the Hall of Fame this weekend. It's time uh, yeah. to gush. It's Good. time to get all sweet on our favorite players that are coming up this year. For the Hall of Fame. Two of our favorites, if we're going to be totally honest. Two of our favorites from the last decade. Last, yeah, last era. Mm -hmm. Mike Piazza and Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, man. Who do you want to gush about? Or both? Because you love these guys. Yeah, I... I, Love. And and just sort of, I've I've been pouring through their stats before, uh, you know, before, you know, doing the show. And it sort of dawned upon me something that I didn't realize. I I always thought these guys were great. But it didn't occur to me how much amazingness of their careers they put up before I even became a baseball fan, which happened to me in sort of like 99, 2000, that era. And both of these guys, Griffey and Piazza, their peaks were before that, or they were at the tail ends of their primes. Uh, 
and, and it's almost gotten me to realize, wow, I missed a lot of their greatness that I just didn't realize. Ken Griffey coming up at 19, yeah, that, like, that was too early for us, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, he was good right away, and we were, you know, basically still in diapers at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, would you say who, who stayed good longer? Or, like, whose peak? Not, I guess, you know, Ken Griffey's peak was longer. But, uh, I don't know. Was it easier? At the end of their career, when you saw, when we were older and we were watching these guys, when people were already talking about them being Hall of Famers, who was better then? I think it's tough to say because of the way injuries just destroyed Griffey's uh, later end of his career. Right. Um, but I think it was probably him, just in the sense that you sort of envision a scenario where if injuries don't derail him, he could have gone for the, the home run record. He really could have. He got to 600 um, while I don't think he cracked 100 games played for like a five-year stretch in the mid-2000s, which is crazy. Uh, and he, he still got to 600 then. If he plays in all of those other games... He's almost easily at 700, and I I don't see why he couldn't at least have chased Ruth um, for that home run record. So I think it has to be Griffey. Yeah. Uh, It's just, the the years, it's just so crazy that it's 2016, and, like, how shit just, you know, it's just years, like, blur together in my mind. You know what I mean? What's the difference between 2003 and 2009 in your brain? Um, I honestly have no idea anymore. So that's a whole different story. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I can't even remember the difference. I don't remember that Ken Griffey only played uh, 70, he played 53 games in 2003. Yeah. You know? It's, I mean, that, that's miserable. I. He had 12, he had 41 hits and 13 home runs. Pretty good for 53 yeah, for games. 53 games, that's pretty good. He had a 566 slug in 53 games. That's, a, that's an amazing slash line. Nice job, Ken. Yeah, good for there you. Go. Good for you. Um, yeah, 134 WRC+. Plus. That's <laughs> that's a miraculous start. Um, but, you know, Piazza had Piazza slugged 500 in 2006. That's wild. That was pretty good. Was that the year... He was with the Padres? Yeah, that was the Padres year. Yeah, I mean, it's so crazy that he went out there and then sort of never became, like he went to Oakland the year after and then just sort of was done. But a 500 slugging percentage when you're, that's crazy. Yeah, Uh, they they won the division that year. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um and, you know, if only they had went on to face the Mets in the NLCS, uh, <laughs> I, I might have been happy either way. Yeah. But instead, I, I, I was not happy uh, because even though I – th- I think I've told you this, that I, I was raised a Yankees fan and my conversion happened in the mid-2000s. I wasn't a full Mets fan in 2006, uh, but I was definitely rooting for them and was very unhappy when – uh, the Cardinals did what they did that year. Uh, but, I mean, I think the thing about Piazza and Griffey 
is beyond their numbers, which are absurdly good. There's so many important memories uh, within the baseball narrative that they have. Uh, even though Griffey didn't have a lot of uh, playoff time, there are so many just highlight real catches that he made. You, you forget how great a fielder he was uh, earlier on in his career. He, he absurd over-the-wall catches, uh, and several of them. Uh, he, he crushed home runs like not a lot of people ever have. Um, like just absolute moonshots with that uppercut swing that just helped ball balls soar. Like when, when he got all of one, it, it went absurdly far. And Piazza was just, he became such a good net in terms of what he meant for that team. Uh, obviously the post nine 11 home run that everyone uh, talks about is very important. Uh, then there was his, uh, his beef with Roger Clemens in the world series. These guys are so ingrained in, in the, in like the stories like that when we're fucking old and shit, we'll be telling people about our baseball experience growing up. Uh, and I think, I think that's just as important to their hall of fame candidacy, especially to a member of a, a random member of the baseball writers association who actually votes for this stuff, um, as, as their raw numbers are. There's so many ways you could look at this kind of stuff. I mean, Ken Griffey hit 45 home runs at age 23. Jesus. Okay. Giancarlo has never hit more than 37. I know. He's done that twice. And make so, all the, make all the era, uh, complaints that you want, uh, if if there are any trolls for this, but yeah. that's that's absurd. That's not that's yeah. not real at all. I mean, Giancarlo's got two hundred and one already. Well, but uh, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to get six, get to six thirty because you know he hit forty five and ninety three, and then he did a couple. He did back to back fifty sixes. Oh, no big deal. Forty eight. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. And he was the premier center le- center fielder of his generation. People that's forget, what I wanted to say. People forget I how much. Feel like yeah, it's good to be. You want to be. If there's, you know, he only won one MVP. But I think if you're the best player at your position of your generation, like that's. I don't know if there's if there are better like things to say about you than that. And not only that, he. We know. We now our defensive highlights are mostly from specialists, if that makes sense. Guys who are at least currently center fielders who are all glove and no bat. And Griffey really brought both. He brought the thunder and the lightning, the, the sizzle and the steak. You you know, he, he was, he was everything you would have wanted out of a baseball player. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a, in a prime position out in center field, uh, doing amazing things in the field, a lot of speed on the base pads, <laughs> average power, all five tools. Uh, he, and in a weird way, I, I almost think, I mean, if you, if, if he had been able to play out his career fully healthy, does he go, he goes down as the best player of our generation. And I say even better than Bonds. Yeah. It would have been nice if Griffey had been better than Bonds. Yeah. I think it would have made my life better. Yeah. 
we'd, you know what I mean? We'd have I would have just liked it more if I could have said, well, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to be on steroids because look at Ken Griffey. Yeah. It, we, would, we would almost have to stop apologizing for the steroid era that I think we both love so much. It would be so great if yeah. the best player of that era had not taken steroids. Right? With, with that in mind, Piazza is almost an interesting case uh, because yeah. there, he never he, he was obviously never directly implicated in anything. But there were murmurs about... There's a lot of murmurs. It's, it's nice that he got in yeah. because of this whole conspiracy to keep anyone with steroids out of the hole. Right. I hope this sort of changes the dynamic on that front a little bit yeah. uh, where people can start. It's a little progress towards, I mean, at least guys who, even if they might have been implicated, were never proven. Uh, that should should be getting there. And, you know, when you're probably one of the best hitting catchers of all time, maybe the best, uh, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, no matter what murmurs or, or back knee you had. Uh, so so I'm, re- I'm really happy for both of these guys, to be totally honest. And it's going to be an especially fun uh, induction weekend because of, you know, these two players uh, and just pouring through all the highlights that they had. You see Piazza and Kimmel? I didn't, but I, I heard uh, I heard some fun things if you want to tell the specific stories. You should see, go watch it on YouTube. It's just Kimmel, he, he told the story about Tommy Lasorda and he <laughs> said he was going to go in as a Met and he did a Tommy Lasorda impression <laughs> and, and he said he would cry during his Hall of Fame speech. He did sure. a good job. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Made me like him a lot. And it's just because I haven't seen him in a while. But he's a good guy. Um, you think you think that's a, a – I'll take my biases out of it and ask you if you think that's the right decision. Because genuinely, he was so good for the Dodgers and, frankly, a better player for the Dodgers before he was traded to the Mets. Um, do you think it's the right decision for him to go in as, as a Met? think probably the right decision would have been to not go in with a team cap because mm-hmm. you can do that right because it's like his time was evenly split between the two franchises yeah and he's, it's just he's seems been a like, couple more years with the Mets but yeah it's pretty much even yeah and and certainly you know he had success with both teams I don't know I don't know if 9-11 has to do something with it or being you know, he kind of split his. He was twenty. You know, he played his twenty age twenty nine season with the Mets, so he kind of split his prime between the two teams. Mm-hmm. Could be recency. I don't know. I I live in New York, so there was no like, like if he'd gone in as a Dodger, you know, the Post would have had a field day. They would have. It's it would have been a complete shit show for like a week. You know what I mean? It would people would have lost their freaking minds if he'd gone in as a Dodger. You know, so there's that. Maybe he, I don't know if the Dod, if the Dodger fans are like all pissed that Piazza didn't go in as a, as a Dodger, and maybe that's why he went as, in as a man. Did they ever make a deep playoff run while he was with the Dodgers? I can't really recall one. I mean, not that that matters, but I like the like in a vacuum. But I, I think I think that plays into guys' decisions at least a little bit. I mean, they were a, they were a winning team. Um, they won the division in 95, mm-hmm. I guess. They lost the division series 3-0 in 95. So, no, I think it, was, it wasn't it was as good as it was with the Mets in yeah. terms of the postseason. Okay. Um, uh, 
So yeah, yeah. no, I, I guess I mean trying to view it as objectively as possible. I think when it's that it's that even in terms of you know what you meant for each team. I think the playoff run kind of serves as a good tiebreaker, and I guess I think the Mets is the right decision. Uh, but it, it's a it's a very tough call. Certainly not as difficult as uh, Griffey's decision between the Mariners and the Reds. Yeah, I think that was a good decision. <laughs> uh, so that there we are, another good podcast, uh, another interesting MLB season. I'm excited to see where things go from here. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Please uh, bookmark bingewatchersmafia.blogspot.com on your browser. Uh, please follow us at BW Mafia, and hopefully you're already subscribed to us on iTunes. If you can leave us a review, please leave us a five-star review. That would be wonderful so that people can find us and uh, get some more great baseball and uh, Mr. Robot coverage for themselves. Have a great week. Peace. Just to get up that hill.